0: Got the loud laugh out of Steve over there. <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's bow our heads in prayer for a moment. Father God, we thank you for bringing us here tonight, bringing us here safely. And Lord, wherever we wind up tonight, whatever classroom, let us open our hearts and minds to hear your word. and Let us soak it in like a sponge soaks up water. And when we leave here tonight, Let us take that word, have it on our hearts, and live it out. And I pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right, Pastor Steve, uh, his class will be in our usual place. place. Uh, DJ Simon is going to be leading the young adult group tonight. So he'll meet down in Fellowship Hall and uh, the rest of you. If anybody wants to move forward. Okay, so uh, I'm going to pick up where we left off last week in Hebrews. We got about halfway through chapter 3. And uh, just a little recap, earlier in chapter 3, uh, the title here says, Jesus greater than Moses. So Pastor Chris went over, uh, basically it's uh, establishing who Jesus is. You know, Before that they were talking about Jesus and the angels, Uh, that he's greater than angels. Now, they looked up to Moses as their leader. He was a big man in the old uh, Hebrew uh, society. So now we're establishing that Jesus is greater than Moses. And uh, we're coming up to where it says, a rest for the people of God. So what I'd like to do is read the scripture, and then we'll kind of go through it, dissect it a little bit, and uh, see where it applies to us in our lives today. So we're in Hebrews chapter 3, starting in verse 7. If you'd like to rise for the reading of God's word. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end, as it is said. Kind of wish I would have picked up one of those large print Bibles and brought it up here. <laughs> uh, okay, so this here is kind of one of those wow statements to me when I read it. Uh, it's a pretty strict warning to us. Uh, when we start, start out, it's, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. Well, that's referring to, and I'm sure we're all familiar with the Israelites wandering around in the desert for 40 years after they left Egypt. Uh, as we know, they, Moses never entered the promised land. And what happened when they left Egypt? They they had a pretty comfortable life there. Uh, You know, they were working hard, and they were quote-unquote slaves, but uh, they had meals, they had a roof over their head, they had clothing. They were pretty secure. And this was a big undergoing for them to leave. And Moses was being their leader. Uh, They were constantly questioning. They were constantly hardening their hearts. And what what the author of Hebrews is saying here, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. So how many times did we see the Israelites hardening their hearts? Uh, Many, many times. There was, oh, Exodus chapter 17 where they were asking for water. Uh, There was no, they were saying to Moses and Aaron, uh, did you bring us out here in the desert so that we we could die from thirst and our cattle and livestock have no water? Uh, Moses struck a rock produced water. Now do you think they were thankful at that point? Not really, not really. Maybe for a little while, okay. Then Moses went up on the mountain and came down with the Ten Commandments, and what were they doing? Yeah, they were partying, the golden calf, you know the story. Uh, later on, uh, there's another description of that in Numbers, chapter 20, If you and I'm just reading these off to you if you want to look them up on your own. We It would take too long to go back to each one. Uh, Deuteronomy 3, Numbers 11, Numbers 14. uh, There's just constant, constant uh, rebellion in their hearts. And as we go on here, it says, Well, your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. So as they went along for 40 years, their whole generation was just in constant rebellion and god basically came down pretty hard on them and said look you guys are not going to enter the promised land that's it you know you've been you've been so up and down with me and you let me down time and time again and uh he denied it to them he denied it moses never got there aaron never got there uh it was actually a whole generation that never made it there it was it was the next generation that got there um therefore I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart as they have not known my ways. As I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Now, when he mentions rest here, when the author mentions rest, he's talking about them going into the promised land. And that would be their salvation, you know, as we would look at it today. Uh, They would be going there, they would have a promise from God, they would have abundant cattle and... Livestock and crops and, you know, life would be pretty good for them. So they were going to be entering into a rest with God. And it's a little bit different than the rest that you think of. Excuse me, can I have that water, please? It's a little different when you think of the rest that we talk about. Uh, sitting back on the couch, putting your feet up, resting. And even sometimes that, I think about it. You know, Sunday, we say, is a day of rest. But do we really rest, you know? Do we go home? Do we do more work? Do we, do we go home, put our feet up, and watch the football game? You know? <laughs> I mean, what do we do on that day of rest? And to me, that day of rest should be a day of honoring God for the whole day, not just while we're here at church, but when we leave here. Uh, you know, putting your feet up, watching a football game, or something like that, you're not honoring God. You're resting. But are we honoring God in our rest? So that's just something to think about. Uh, Then take care, brothers, lest there be any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. There, that's talking about even within a church body. There could be an unbeliever that's leading other people astray. when the, when the author was penning this, he was writing to the, the folks about 40 years after Jesus uh, was on the cross and rose again. Uh, it was about 40 years later, and he was talking to the Jewish Christians at the time, and a lot of them were hanging on to the old Levitical law, and th- th- there was a good number that were quote-unquote Christians they were still Jews, but they became Christians, but there was some in amongst the groups that were just hanging on to the old ways, and by hanging on to that old Levitical law, they were really going against the gospel. They were not giving the gospel a chance. Uh, but exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And we see there, I'm not sure about the Bible you have in your hand, but mine has a quotation marks around the word today. And today is what the author is talking about here is there's an urgency when he mentions today, uh, today, meaning right now while the word is fresh in your mind. Uh, there's no, the, the author's trying to talk us talk to us and say, there's no waiting for, t- for tomorrow. You know, for you never know if there's going to be a tomorrow, you know. Uh, our hearts, we could go to bed tonight. Some of us may not make it even, may, may not, tongue tie. Some of us may not even make it home tonight. And if we do, we could go to bed and not wake up in the morning. None of that's guaranteed. So there's a, there's a definite urgency here in saying, here's the word, you know. Get, in, get into a relationship with Jesus Christ now, today before it's too late, because there may not be a tomorrow. Uh, exhort one another every day. And that's talking about lifting each other up. There's, there's many places in the Bible where it talks about us lifting each other up, supporting each other, uh, not letting each other fall. When we see one of our brothers and sisters starting to stumble a little bit, what do we do? Do we close, close a blind eye to them, or do we reach out and help them? Uh, and it's going to happen, you know. None of us are perfect. There is only one perfect being, ever. And God doesn't expect us to be perfect. God just expects us to follow Christ. So when we do see one of each other falling, and we should be there to help each other get up and pick each other up. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion." And there's a, whenever the Bible repeats itself, there's definitely a, an exclamation there. You know, it's like Pastor Chris always says, when it starts out with a therefore, you know, you know something's important about that. Well, here the Bible is repeating itself again. Uh, and this is also going back to Psalm 95, verses 7 through 11. It's interesting that it's in Psalms, verses 7 to 11, and here it's 7 to 11 also. But uh, so, what the author is trying to really emphasize here is do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Don't follow that example of what the ancient Israelites did. You know. Uh, They just let, like I said before, they let God down so many times, God said, he cut them off and said, you're not going to enter the promised land. So, and that was the rest that they were talking about. For for who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was it he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned and whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. And here what they're talking about is, again, referring back to the Israelites, but they were not allowed to enter because they didn't have that relationship with God. There was always that foot in, foot out type of thing. Uh, It says right there, the last words, because of unbelief. And how many of us today either have... Some kind of unbelief in our life. How many times do we turn around? You know, during the course, you got Wednesday night for an hour and Sunday morning for maybe two hours. The rest of the time is out there. You know, some of us go to a Bible study, ladies' Bible study, that type of thing. But most of our time of the week is spent out there in the world. And do we have one foot in, one foot out, uh, or are we being followers of Christ? And are, are we? living what we hear inside these four walls are we living it out on a day to day basis do we take it with us now <clears throat> there's some notes i had here and it's funny whenever whenever i do something like this i talk at the asbury park uh, rescue mission once a month and uh on mission trips and you know i always do these prepare notes and get ready and you know, before you know it, your notes are just sitting there and you barely even looked at them. <laughs> it's just kind of like start talking and let the Holy Spirit try to do its thing. But, uh, but chapter 4, and the only reason I want to get into chapter 4 a little bit is because here it was, chapter, the end of chapter 3 was talking mostly about the ancient Israelites. Chapter 4, the author is kind of putting the emphasis on the Jews, the Christian Jews, 40 years later, after Christ, and uh, how they're living their lives. And uh, I like the, uh, towards the end, starting in verse 11, "'Let us therefore strive to enter that rest, "'so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience, "'for the word of God is living and active, "'sharper than any two-edged sword,' piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joint and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him whom we must give account. That, that, those few verses right there kind of, to me, wraps up what we were just talking about. If we harden our hearts and we have disbelief, we're, we're not going to get that rest of salvation. We all know it's there. Uh, and it's so easy to harden for people, not us, maybe none of us in this room, where you know, I think believe we're all believers here, but there's a lot of people out there that aren't. And there's a lot of people out there that aren't that have heard the word. And I sometimes just can't understand how they could harden their hearts to it. Uh, it's so promising, it's so fulfilling. It promises us eternal life. And uh, that last, last part that I read to you is kind of the, the wow moment when you read this. Uh, you know, no creature is hidden from his sight. All are naked and exposed to the eyes of him who we must give account. And what that's saying is, no matter what we do, where we go, whether we're by ourselves or in a crowd of people, at work, or even sitting here in church, he knows our thoughts. You know, we can't hide anything from him. Uh, it, it, the Bible tells us that, that he knew us in the womb. It tells us that he knows every hair on our head. Well, some of us, but... <laughs> uh, or our chin. Uh, so there's nothing we can hide from God. You know, God is ever-powerful, ever-knowing, the Alpha and the Omega. Uh, back to some of the uh, some of the uh, the notes I had here. Uh, there is an urgency in obedience and perseverance to get to that rest. Uh, like I said, none of us are promised it tomorrow. We all we don't know what's what's coming. So the sooner the sooner while it's fresh in our mind, the sooner we listen to the word and accept it, the better. There's, you know, there's a lot of time, a lot of things that have happened in my life that I was hard, my heart was hardened for a long time, I wasn't listening, you know, I certainly knew the word, you know, when I say people out there that know the word, have heard the word, but they don't listen to it, well, I was one of those, and, you know, I'm sure a lot of us probably have been in that spot, Uh, I'd gone to church once in a while, Sometimes I kind of started to go to church a lot, but then backed off again a lot. Uh, I had a job where I was working six days a week. I was making good money. You could afford a lot of stuff. Uh, and I remember my wife waking me up on a Sunday morning saying, you're going to come to church today? And I remember saying to her, no, it's my only day off. Do I want to waste it in church? You know? I mean, I would never say that today. But, but back then, that was my thought pattern, you know? I was just kind of wandering out there, but, but then when things happened in my life that I didn't like, when things didn't go well, you know, when something was, you know, bills weren't getting paid or money wasn't coming in like it should, well, I turned around and I pulled that little file box open, and there, uh, going through the tabs, I found the G. It was a big, pulled it up, there was a big word, God, and, you know, then I'd get down on my knees and I'd pray, and, Lord, please just get me through this, you know? Help me bring some money in so that I could pay these bills. Or, you know, Lord, I I just need your help in this situation or that situation. And maybe God was thinking that, hey, you know, maybe he's starting to change a little bit. But as soon as that prayer was answered, did I change? No. Go right back to my old self. And I'm sure we know, we all probably know people like that, that, you know, oh, they call you up and say, hey, this isn't going right or this isn't, you know, health issues and so forth and so on. Uh, can you pray for me? And, you know, you might even say, well, how about praying with me? And, you know, they fall to their knees and they pray and, you know, God, and, you know, if this all goes right, I'll come home to you and so forth and so on. And what happens? The next thing you know, their prayer gets answered. But what happens after that? They just walk away, you know, until the next time, you know. And then the next time, you have to open that file box, and you brush the dust off, and you pull the G card out again, and you know it's just uh, it's it's kind of a crazy way to think, but you know, And at that time in my life, I knew the gospel. I didn't study it. I wasn't a follower of Christ. I kind of knew who Jesus was. I knew there was the Bible. I knew a little bit about it. Never really opened it that much, but uh, but it was only when it suited me, you know. And then. One day, I don't know if it was my wife praying for me. I don't know if it was family members praying for me. I remember when my dad would call me up and we would get in, you can ask my wife, we would get, my dad and I would get in these arguments over the phone. And he would, be, he would tell me, well, this is what the Bible says. And I'd argue with him and argue with him and argue with him. And we'd hang up on each other. And, you know. But the one good thing that came out of that was it got me to open this, you know. I would get mad at him, and I'd say, oh, s- you know, stop. I, you know, I didn't want to say shut up, he's my father, but, uh, you know, oh, stop, stop giving me that silliness, and I don't want to hear about it, you know. But after that phone got hung up, and, you know, I'm trying to act all tough, like, you know, I know what I'm talking about, I'd sit down, and I wouldn't even do it in front of anybody. I would kind of grab one of the Bibles on the shelf, a small one, so nobody would see me, and I'd go in the bathroom and kind of open up and say, oh, what was he talking? Oh, this is what he was talking about. Hmm. Oh, yeah, he was right, you know? (laughs) But even out out of all that arguing, I knew God was working on me. I look back at it now, and God was working on me because it got me to open this book up. It got me to start looking at it. And when God's working on you, you know it. You know, you talk about the people in rebellion here and going astray and having a hardened heart, but God always works on us even when we don't want him to, even when we want to reject him. God doesn't want to reject us. He's always got his hand out saying, I know you're drowning down there. All you got to do is reach up and take my hand. And how many times do we, want to push ourselves under the water and say, all right, well, let me drown then, you know? Or do we reach up and take God's hand and say, you ever see that picture, the two hands? We have it hanging up in our living room. Uh, How many times do people take God's hand and they say, Lord, I give up. I can't do this on my own. Just pull me up out of this water and wrap your loving arms around me and I'm yours, you know? And that's kind of how... That's kind of what happened to me. Uh, you know, eventually I started coming to church, even though it wasn't every Sunday, maybe every other for a little while. And then, you know, three times a month, you know, I was giving in little by little. I was stubborn. I really was stubborn. <laughs> but, uh, but in the end, God won out. You know, he, he, the Holy Spirit entered me, and that was it. it and it's been a great great many years since that's happened. Uh, and back to what we're studying here, uh, in the end part here, where it talks about the word being sharper, being a two-edged sword, uh, piercing division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, discerning thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's, that's really a cap off of the warnings that God was giving us, or the writer was giving us before. Uh, when you think about the intentions of the heart and no creature hidden from his sight, we, we mentioned before, we can't sit anywhere. We can't go anywhere by ourselves or in a big crowd without God knowing what we're thinking, without him knowing our next move. He knows our next move when we don't. And uh, it's, uh, it's amazing. It's amazing how he works in our lives. Uh, there's, there's a spot in here where it says, take care, brothers, lest be any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away. And we talked about uh, lifting each other up and, you know, helping each other out. Uh, I, I read one thing where, that said, there are none, not even the strongest of us, that don't need the help of other Christians. And just doing my little little study on these verses, I, I found I came across that, and I came across it several times, and I jotted it down, and it really made me think. You know, we look at our spiritual leaders. You know, and we have four pastors here in this church, and you know, we could look at any one of them, and we could say, oh, they're strong. You know, they've got it all together. You know, they're they're really into the Word and prayer, and you know, they're full of the Holy Spirit. But believe me they need our prayers that's why they ask us for prayer they need our prayers just like anybody else and they can stumble just like anybody else so they need us you know uh, you know i've become very friendly with a couple of the pastors here over the years and uh there's been many times where we've sat down and had talks about different things and, you know, they're just like us. You know, they're not, they're not any, any mightier than us. They're not any stronger than us. They might have more knowledge in the word. They might have more experience, but the Bible does say that they are to be exonerated a little bit more than us, but because uh, they have given their, their life to this, but, uh, but they are just like us. They need us, you know, just like we need them. You know, they need our prayers. They need our support. They need our friendship, uh, our <coughs> brotherhood. So just, just let's remember that. You know, they're uh, they're they're men just like just like we are. Uh, so one another every day. Okay, uh, we talked about entering this rest. Now, we knew what the rest was with the ancient Israelites. They were going to the Promised Land. Uh, what's the rest that the, the, the author is trying to convey to us? What is that rest? Yes. And resting in salvation. It's, it's the knowing. The knowing of, are we saved? Do we have that relationship with Jesus Christ? And if we do, none of these worldly things are going to bother us, you know. Of course, we're going to get a little little annoyed here and there with this or that. You know, we're human. God knows we have emotions. He put them in us, you know, so. Uh, but we worry about so many things. You know, we worry about, even, even us, if we're saved, do we not worry about our children and our grandchildren? You know, what's going on with them? You know, what kind of world are they being brought up in? You know, am I being a good enough influence on them? And when we trust in the Lord 100%, when we fully put our trust in Him, we, we know that He's going to be there for them. So that's kind of kind of an example of that tr- uh, rest that we're talking about. It's a, it, it's, a, it's a feeling of peace, tranquility. You know, it's... Uh, it's knowing that God's in control. The worldly things here, doesn't, don't, they don't matter because none of it's gonna change. And we know that this life here on earth is just a, a it goes by like that. But eternity's eternity. <laughs> so eternity is forever. So, uh, you know, when we think of it, where do we wanna spend eternity? And, you know, will we be resting in eternity in his presence? And uh, there's there's a lot of a lot of other stuff. I, I made a lot of notes here, and you know, like I said, I'm just I'm just gonna put the notes on the side and just keep talking. But uh, the good news about all this is that without Jesus Christ and His giving Himself on the cross for us and then rising on the third day, there is no hope. You know, we could never have that rest. We could never have that relationship with God that we want. And uh, we wouldn't even know about it. You know, there would be no Bible without him. So we wouldn't even really know about it. But when you think about it, what a, what a gift that was that, that God put him here, knowing that he was going to suffer a horrible, horrible death on the cross and then to be raised three days later. uh, You know, I often think I have four children, and there are five or six grandchildren. I don't know, what's the number now? Five. (laughs) Uh, I often think, would I ever be able to take one of my children and put them into that kind of a situation where I know they were going to suffer a horrible death on the cross? No, I, I probably couldn't. That's just, you know, my human side speaking, but I probably couldn't. But the fact that he did that just for us and, and just for you, each and every one of you as individuals, you know, it's not, he didn't do it just for Israel. He didn't do it just for the people in China. He didn't do it for the people in Africa. He did it for all of us as individuals, you know, and for him to do that for us, he created the earth with, the, with his breath. You know, the mountains that are out there, all the animals and the oceans and everything that lives in the sea. He did all that. And for him to care enough about us, you know, about Joe sitting there, you know, or Fran, you know, for him to just care that much about you, you and you alone is just mind-boggling. You know, it's... Uh, it really makes you wonder, like, wow. You know, if if you... Went out and built this great city. You know, uh, there's been many individuals in history that have done things like that. They created cities or empires. Do you think they knew or cared about the one guy way down at the back that, you know, didn't stand out? <laughs> no, they probably didn't even know he existed. But, but God knows that we exist, each and every one of us. And it's, it's really amazing that he does that. And that he would give his own son for us to enter into an eternity with him. What a gift, what a gift. Uh, there's there's a lot you could read into this, uh, but I, I really wanna emphasize that part at the end uh, where it talks about you know, dividing bone and marrow and spirit and soul. Uh, It ends by saying, exposed to the eyes of him whom we must give account. So that's telling us there that each and every one of us one day is going to have to give an account for everything we've done. And thank God we have a loving God who cares about us, who loves us, who's forgiving. And uh, it's really comforting to know that you know, even when I stumble and fall, he's going to be there to pick me up, as well as my brothers and sisters here. You know, that's, uh, that's such a comfort. But anybody have any questions? I'm sure we can talk about this for hours and hours, but we do have limited time. But No? No? Well, why don't we break up into groups? Uh, let's see. I think it's small enough tonight. We could probably just do two groups—one on this side, one on this side—and uh, the prayer goals tonight would be, as you all know, we're doing a building project. Anybody not hear of that? If no, if you don't know about it, raise your hand. <laughs> and we'll uh, we'll talk later. But uh, let's pray for the new building project, for unity amongst everybody in the church, uh, that we all we're all on the same page, and that. That this project is something that the Lord wants us to do, uh, and let's just be good stewards of what He's given us. And another thing I'd like to pray about is the Christians that have been killed in Africa and the Middle East over the past week, week and a half. Uh, every time I look on social media, I'm seeing somebody post something else about, you know, a whole village wiped out, whole vill- village of Christians.